kingdom. Matthew 20, 25 through 28, uh, it reads as uh, Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus says, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As a ransom for many. Today, we're going to come back to you again, part two of the power of leadership. We're in this series of multiplication. We're calling it Think and Grow Rich. That's what our Bible study is. But in the series of multiplication, how do we multiply? By being servants of the Most Lord. By being servants of God and servants of his people. Amen? Amen. So let me rest in the presence of the Most High God as we get busy with this thing right here. So enthused and excited about today. Today, today is the Lord's celebration. Someone asked me, why do you come and celebrate the Sunday morning? Because it's the day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus this Sunday morning. And so every Sunday is a time to get excited because he lives. Somebody say he lives. He lives. He lives. And so we're enthused and excited today. And I always wanted a church full of men. And today, we got majority men in the house. And so I'm excited about that today. Amen. Amen. How many churches in America have majority men in the presence of today? You got to look at the glasses half full. Come on now, somebody. So here we go. Put it into context. Put it into context. Because annual Thanksgiving tradition we here have here at the church is to feed families. We feed families. And we get some turkeys and fixings. And then we go out in the past and we delivered it to families. To families. And some hundreds of people get together every Thanksgiving. And they participate in the meal provided by you, the Empower Living Church. Amen. You're serving in a servant leadership by going out and providing them a meal to make these holidays ease the holidays just a little bit. Amen. But again, this year is our third year. Matter of fact, we did this before we even started the church. Before we had our first worship service, we were out delivering turkeys, I think. Yes. Yes, amen. And so we're going to continue on that practice here. And so now, this Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving, this coming Saturday, the 23rd, this coming Saturday, the 23rd at 9 a.m., we're going to continue this tradition, but in a different way. We partner with the Harvest Center every year. We're going to continue to harvest partnering with the Harvest Center and providing servant leadership. So servant leadership. And so we ask for those people, individuals to come and volunteer this Saturday and help deliver, hand out the turkeys. Uh-huh. We're not going to deliver them this year. <coughs> We're going to hand them out. Somebody say hand them out. Hand them, out. hand them out. We're going to hand them out this year. And not only at the Harvest Center, we're going to do something more beyond that. We're going to do a little bit more than that this year. What we're going to do is we're going to hand out some turkeys and some groceries and some sneakers and boots. Amen? So that's a glorious thing today. We are still in the servant leadership business. That's servant leadership doing for other people when they can't do for themselves. Or families in need. Or just families who need a little, a little push to go forward. Amen? So we're doing that this Saturday at 9 a.m. And we're doing that because Jesus said this. Jesus said this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We came to serve. Serve. You get together Thanksgiving and you'll probably sit down with your family somewhere and you'll have a wonderful meal. Somebody won't be having a meal that day. Amen. Somebody won't have the, the occasion to have a meal. They won't have that opportunity, but then there will be those who will be blessed by people throughout this community doing something similar to what we're doing. We're not the only ones doing something like this. As people are giving 
around this giving season. We're in the giving season right now. So if you want to find out more about that, go to our website and hit uh, what's trending here at the ELC. Hit that tab there, trending at the ELC, and you'll find out more about that. I also encourage you to go to our website and hit the Sundays tab because it has all of our sermon notes today. And you can find out how to listen to our podcast and our, our, our web presence. Watch us online as well as hit these sermon notes. But the main point today I want to share with you is this. It comes from the scripture of Galatians 6 and 9. We shared this before. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Ha! That's encouraging to me. That's encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you. Let I say it again. Let us not, grow, let us not become weary in doing good. Ha! Keep doing good. Even when it doesn't make sense to do good, keep doing good. This is the main point today. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. Once you're on the path that God has placed you upon, I know there'll be some dips in the valley. But here, as a leader, you have to be in a position to understand, I can't give up. <clears throat> Regardless of what I'm going through, I need to continue on the path that God has placed me upon. And, and the Bible tells us about how we grab our plow, like farmers grab their plow, and, and you start plowing your feet, your field, and you lay down seeds. But you, with a plow, when you're going forward as a, as a farmer planting seed and expecting a harvest, you can't turn that plow around. That ox can't do a U-turn. You got to go forward. You're in the ground, and you're going forward. That's right. and you, I'm, I lived in Indiana, so I did some tilling of the soil, and I attempted to grow some uh, a harvest. And it wasn't a big harvest. It was a little bit of something. But I can tell you this. Once you start that straight line, you can't have a, a, a garden or, or, or a farm with zigzag lines, amen? No. It don't make no sense. <laughs> go straight line. So God is calling us to grab our plow and go straight forward. Follow his direction. Do not waver from it. Go ahead. As leaders, that's our responsibility to do, to show others how we live in our life in a way that's pleasing unto God. Amen? Yes. So, let's get started today. A couple things we went over last time is that leaders are, have unwavering courage. They have self-control. Self-control is meaning that you, you, you maintain yourself, your, your, I call it your, your intellectual IQ, your intellectual intelligence, when you can, can maintain yourself and have a sense of self-control. Have you find yourself out of control and wondering, like, how do I get back in? Uh, I, you know, there's been times, you know, in basketball, when you play basketball, since all, so, so many men here today, in basketball, you can get a foul just because you drive to the lane because you're out of control. You won't even be the one who does the fouling, but because you're out of control, the referee's going to say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh, I'm going to go, I'm not going to give it to the defensive player, I'm going to give it to the offensive player because he was out of control. So you're out of control, you're wild, you're not... You're not, you're not on the straight and narrow path. So we have to get ourselves as leaders, as leaders, into some sort of self-control. First Corinthians says here, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You can endure it. So when the temptation comes, you have to fall back in self-control. It's good to do something over and over again. It's good to wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is pray. You need to brush your teeth in the morning, right? It's systematic. 
Get in the morning, you pray first thing. I spent some glorious time praying this morning before the sun came up. That's my best prayer time. And why do I do it? I get it from my Lord and Savior Jesus. He prayed first thing in the morning before the sun went up. That's the calmest part of the day. Before the awakening of the world is before the sun comes up. I encourage you to do it. Not because I do it, but because Jesus did. Amen? A keen sense of justice. And I say that because, before I go to that, I say it because it starts my day off and I then have control of my day. Right? Because I put things in order spiritually first. And then the physical and the mental things follow after that. And then I can flow the rest of my day. A leader has a keen sense of, keen sense of justice. A leader has, uh, makes, has, makes decisions with some definiteness. They make a decision, and they, you know, they know what they're saying, they're going to stick to it. But I'm going to say this to you, remind, remind us about this. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. How many situations? Every. Every, every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What God is saying to us that yes, when you make a decision, but first thing you do before you make your decision is to what? Prayer and petition. Submit, pray about it, and send it to the Lord. And hear from him. And then be comfortable in what God says. Because he's going to say something to you that you may not like. But you need to do it. That goes in that self-control. That goes also in, in the decision that God makes. He's definite about his decision. It's up to us to accept that decision and go forward as leaders. We're leaders. We're leaders. We're decision makers. Plans. Make definite plans. Definiteness of your plans. A successful leader must plan his work and work his plan. How's your plan? You know, I'm, I'm preparing my plan for 2020 now because for myself and for the church, to work with the church leaders, but my life, what's my plan for 2020? And I've got to work my plan. But I'll tell you this, before I end this year, I'm going to end this year strong. So the things I started off and fell off in 19, 2019, I'm going to work on completing those things. I'm going to work that plan. Because it was planned out to work. <coughs> Amen? Amen? So I'm going to work it to the end. But Proverbs 16, 3 and 9 says this, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. I'm going to give myself to the Lord in 2020. Because I want to, I, as, a, as a servant leader, I want to be successful because I have people who are following me who need me to be successful. You have people following you, you need, who need to be, you to be successful so they can find success. They're depending upon you. And you know, sometimes it feels like you can't do it by yourself because you can't do it by yourself. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Yes, it is. But it says... Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You may have some great things that you think, but God has some greater things. Let me tell you something. What's wild about God, but I love about him is this. The things that we may plan for ourselves look really good to us. They like the cake with the frosting that you like, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, who really likes carrot cake? You really don't really like carrot cake. Oh, you love the frosting. <laughs> <laughs> and like the cake. 
You know what I'm saying? I said, you really don't love the carrot cake. You like the cake, but you love the frosting. And that makes the whole cake, you know, wonderful. But sometimes God creates things for us and it's just, you know, it looks just like just the cake batter, moist and nice and fluffy without the frosting. But that's okay, though, because what we see is not what God has planned for us sometimes. It may not look the best. We don't know that what's inside this cake is a whole bunch of frosting in the side of it. So they didn't do the top of it, but they put it all in the middle, the stuff we really like. God presents us opportunities that don't, don't look the best on the outside, but he's already figured it out for us if we just go ahead and follow his plan and we get to the inside of the plan and we see how glorious it is on the inside when we find that frosting that we like so much. Amen? I'm just, I'm just thinking about my plan right now. I have to pause and think. Some things that I have planned for me for 2019, they're going to come to pass, and I'm excited about it because I'm going to work my plan because God said so. Before we get into today's topic, these are just referrals, I mean, refreshing from last week. The habit of doing more than paid for. Huh? One of the penalties, the penalties of leadership, you're all leaders, you're all leaders who are listening to this. One of the penalties of being a leader is the necessity of willingness. You have to do more than what's required of your followers. That's the penalty of being a leader. And you're all leaders. And so as a leader, it's a penalty, but hey, so what? It's, you're a leader. It comes with the territory. You have to be willing to do more than what is expected of you. You got to do more. And that's part of being, that's the penalty, but the glory of being a leader. Because at the end of the day, you get that smile upon your face. You get that crown upon your head. Because you did more than was expected, but you people saw you do it, and they had greater respect for you. But it's, but God won't make it so that we can't handle it. And it says in Philippians 2, 6 and 9, Who being very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, it says. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in the human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Woo! That's what Jesus did. He came down from heaven, took on the nature, had the nature of God, came into, down to heaven, and became flesh. <laughs> by taking himself, by my made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He came from heaven with his angelic form, his spiritual form, his godly form, came into the earth, take on a human flesh, take on, look just like you and me, took on the pains of life, and, and in his human likeness being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself when he didn't have to. What I love about Jesus' lesson, lesson of Jesus is this. He didn't have to go through all the pain and the affliction. He could have saw how trifling were his people for those three years of his ministry and said, look, they don't get it. I'm done. Why should I go and get beaten up for this? But I can call down legions of angels to come and wipe all this out and turn this revolution on the top, on the top. Let's get busy. But he said, no. Um, he loved us so much. He fulfilled what he had to do. He went beyond his necessity. 
He went beyond. He could easily just stop, but he said, no, I got to complete what I started. What I love about them, he says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, he could have decided not to, but he was obedient to what God instructed him to do. And that was brutality. So none of us have gotten to a place where God has called you to be brutalized like that. We had some hard times. Yes, we have had some hard times. We had some difficult times. We put ourselves in harm's way quite often, some of us more times than not. But you haven't gone through what Jesus did because you weren't in heaven and took on his flesh. You didn't have the power to call in anybody. This is even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. When we get started what God has for us, and we're obedient to what he says for us to complete, when it seems like we don't have to even go that far, but, you know, the assignment requires us to go further because God said go further. When you're obedient to that, that's when you get your crown. You don't get your crown for just finishing what you started, you get your crown for finishing what God had you to finish, not what you think you should finish. Quite often we say, I've done enough. No, God told you to do more. It was enough for this man, but it wasn't enough for you because you're the leader. And since you're the leader, you know, they can leave now, but you have to stay later. You have to stay later. I mean, prayer is now, but after prayer, just study. There's, there's, there's fasting, there's writing, there's reading. You as a leader of your household, just because you get your family together for prayer, it, it doesn't stop right there with you just praying. Yes, you did the, the bare necessity, but you need to be equipped because when prayer comes, here comes the enemy. When the enemy comes, you need to be ready to fight and stand in the gap for your families. So you got to do more than just pray with your family. You got to study the word. You have to fast. You have to have some self-discipline. You have to be ready for the fight. Because let's just stop right here with what you see. God has placed a mantle of leadership on you. requires you to do more than you can see right now. But he's equipped you for that. But you have to be willing and obedient to stay the course. And they have a pleasing personality. Proverbs 27, 19 says, Water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. A leader has a pleasing personality. When was the last time you looked in the mirror? Did you like what you saw when you looked in the mirror? See, what you see in the mirror should reflect what's in your heart. A good heart. Will, will come out with a smile, with a pleasing personality. People will want to be around you, want to smile when they see you. You know, we all strive for that. And I know it gets hard at times, but that's where our goal is. Galatians 5, 22, 23, when you get, get, get confused about what it is, what a pleasing personality is, go back to what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control against such things there is no law. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you can't do anything else when you look in the mirror, focus on those things right there. Ask God for him to send his Holy Spirit inside of you to eradicate you who you are and put, replace it with who the Holy Spirit is. 
We're spiritual beings in fleshly bodies. Well, it doesn't mean you have to be trapped with what the flesh goes through. You can be engulfed with what the Spirit has for you. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What I like about love about all the men that are here right now is your faithfulness, your loyalty. Where is loyalty today? Sometimes it's more loyalty in the street than it is in the church pews. It can't be like that. And I love you guys for showing your faithfulness and your loyalty. Now let's get into today. Let's finish off today. Sympathy and understanding. Sympathy and understanding. Hmm. The successful leader must be in sympathy for, with his followers. Moreover, he must understand their problems. You got to understand their problems. There's so many people who are just going through right now. We just, one person in the church family just buried their mother. And then right after that, next, within the following week, the next person in the church family is there burying their brother. It's hard. It may, it's difficult to to understand those things, but you know, I'm now unfortunately, but fortunately, in a position that I can sympathize with them. Not just empathize, but sympathize. So I had a sister who was killed at the age of 15 by a car. So I can actually, I can, I can sympathize with them because I know what it looks like, what it feels like to lose a sibling. That's hard. But I've also had to bury two of my parents within. Less than five years of one another. So I can now I, I now can sympathize. I can appreciate what the problem is. And I said like this last week, and I always remember my, remember this is a great lesson. One pastor, and I was serving with, under him, and I, I told him I, was, I sympathized with the family. He came and he pulled me to the side after and he said, Man, don't you ever tell somebody who lost a, a parent that you sympathize with them. Because you have never gone through it. Now I have now. But he said at the time. All you can do is empathize. You can't really sympathize. That's almost a point of disrespect to that person, what they're going through. So what it is as a leader, we have to understand, you know, we have to put ourselves in the position to understand what they're going through, to appreciate it, whatever it may be. And in so doing, it says God, Psalm 46, 1 and 2 says this, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble, Verse 2, therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. So even when you're going through and you hear what people, what people are saying, you may not be able to sympathize with them, but God is our strength and our refuge. And in the time we need, he will speak for you. Look, it was that emotional Strength to understand what they're going through. Because as a leader, you have to be in a position to really understand. The Bible says, get the knowledge, wisdom of what's he wants to make? He wants to get understanding. You understand. But you know, and, and even in that. You must say, like, you know, I haven't gone through that. I don't really, I can't really sympathize with that. I don't really get why they, why they tripping like that. But God has equipped us to lead. He's empowered us. Even the word it says, He empowered. He's our refuge in our time of need. That goes so many different ways. 
Because as a leader, you know, as a leader, you're on the front. You're the, you're the, you're the tip of the spear going through. And at the tip of the spear, you know, those, you know, no Zulu formation. I know it's a military formation, right? You got to teach the Zulu in the military? You got to teach Zulu formation? Okay, well, I did when I was playing. Zulu formation is when, <laughs> is when it's a V, but every time your foot is behind, you know, the, the brother's leg in front of you, but there's no space in between. And so, you know, if they, if they fall back, you fall back. They go forward, you go forward. Y'all in this together. What's it called? A lot, okay. But then at the tip of it is the spear. And the person in the front, they got they take charge, right? And that person, you know, we are that spear in the front. And those fellas and, and family members behind us are and they're locked. They're locked in behind us in Zulu formation. But we're the spear, we're the leader. And as a leader within the family, as a leader or in the community or your or organization, whatever it may be, you have to be courageous at the spear at the tip of the uh, you're the front. And you can't go, you can't go there afraid. You gotta go there encouraged. And that comes, <laughs> that comes from God. That comes from what God says here, I'm your refuge and your strength. And ever present help in trouble. I'm playing the drums too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing it all, man. Come mastery of detail. As a leader, you have to have mastery of detail. Successful leadership calls for mastery of details in a leadership position. You have to have mastery of detail. Most guys, we're not detail-oriented. But you have to have mastery. The little things are the things that can hurt you the most. The little things. You don't put a net up in the summertime and a mosquito will get in. And he's just a little bit of thing because, because a whole lot of pain. Right? So it's the details. Here, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27 is this. Do you know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone, uh-huh, who competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but, it, but we do it to get a crown that will last, how long? Forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. A successful leader masters details. He runs a race not just to win, he runs a race with strict training. He runs a race to get what? A crown that lasts how long? Forever. So what they're saying here is when you run, run with a purpose. Run with an intent. Train your body. Be mindful of details. Because as a leader, we're expecting you to finish this race. And not crawling. As believers, we're expected to finish the race standing. <laughs> Timing was just right on point there. <laughs> but in order to finish the race standing, it takes some training. It says there he beats his body. 
because he's running a race. But for us, we're both spirit and flesh. So it requires us to build our spirit man up as well. That's our prayer and our fasting and our Bible study continuously. And I, I thought about this, that this brother was trying out yesterday throwing footballs, uh, Kaepernick. And when he said for the last three years, he's been getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and working out. So when they called him, he had five days to prepare. He's like, I'm already ready. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like he was born ready. He wasn't born ready. He was ready because he prepared every day for five days a week, Monday through Friday, whatever it was, five days straight. He got up at five in the morning and prepared his body. He beat his body. We as spirit and flesh, how many of us get up at five in the morning and do anything? So if Jesus were to call upon you to go serve somewhere, you'd be like, oh, well, let me get ready. Well, he's saying you need to be ready. Because you don't know when he's going to call. You don't know when Jesus is coming back even. That's right. And since you don't know, every day needs to be a day of preparation. Now, physically, too. I'm doing this thing four miles a day, except for Sunday. I figure I, I'm gonna beat this thing called age. Well, not totally, but I'm gonna handle it. Handle mine. Amen. Amen. We got. We got. As leaders, you expect. You know, I thought about this morning. I preach every Sunday, so I can't afford to be sick, and I'm expected to be here every Sunday. Like I expect y'all to be here every Sunday. <laughs> And you can't afford, but the, the, what that means though, I had to do my smoothies, my teas, my exercises, <coughs> my prayer, my fasting. I got to do it all. Because I, I, you know, I come up here and preach sometimes sick. Kill that. I don't, I don't know. Touch something. Thank you. I come here sometimes sick. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. I don't have an option. As a leader, you don't have an option. You gotta lead. There's no, there's no, I need a break. So you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready. So beat your body, be prepared. We're almost done here. Willingness to assume full responsibility. A leader takes from full responsibility. If you make a mistake, you you say, hey, I made a mistake. I have some shortcomings. If you try to shift the responsibility, it will remain, you you will not remain the leader. If you try to shift the responsibility, you will not remain the leader. If one of your followers makes some mistakes and shows himself incompetent, the leader must consider that it is he who failed. If one of your followers makes a mistake and falls awry, if they're your follower, you need to assume the responsibility as the leader that you may have failed. That's heavy. Those of us with kids, that's heavy. Because you think about it, look, he left my house at 19. He did his foolishness at 25. Mm -hmm. Who's responsible? Yes, he's a grown man. But you train up a child to which he should go. And we have to measure those two things. Now, it's not saying less than you because you take responsibility because, you know, we spent a whole day working on something here at the church. 
and we realized at the end of the day we didn't complete it, but we did, we learned. It's a learning process. So although that follower may have fallen awry, may have fallen short, it's a learning process. So we, so we don't make the mistake again. So own it. People respect you when you own it. Take responsibility and make adjustments to win. Proverbs 20, 13 says this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. Whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. One good thing about God is he knows. <laughs> You're not fooling God by saying, you know, playing like you didn't do it. <laughs> he know when you went out. He know when you overdrank. He know when you did that. He know when you did the other thing. He know when you looked at her walking down the street. He knows. He know all that. And we give to you all those things. But, but the thing about it is, is don't it says, don't conceal your sins. If you do, you won't prosper. Let God know. Confess your sins and renounce them. You'll find some mercy from God. Uh, when I pray, you hear me pray. I always say, Father, forgive me for our shortcomings, our frailties, and our sins. Because I don't want to even go present myself to him like I'm faking the funk like he don't know. He knows. He knows. So let me tell him. But I'm trying to get it right, God. Forgive me. I'm trying to get it right. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I ain't perfect, but you know that already. But I'm working on it. And the church needs to understand the leaders in the church ain't perfect. <laughs> We're all working on it. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and play you a little something, brother. I'm going to play you something. Hold on, last thing here. <laughs> Let me get out of here. The cooperation. A successful leader must understand and apply the principle of cooperative effort and be able to induce his followers to do the same. Leaders calls for leadership calls for power, and power calls for cooperation. You have to get to cooperation. First Corinthians 12, 14, and 20 says this. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it will not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it will, be, it, will, it will not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all one part, there would be... There, there, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. What God is saying here is, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. The eye can't hear, the hand can't smell. You need the nostrils and the ears and the nose and every part of the body to be a whole body. You need, in the church, we need everybody at the table. Because what you bring, what you bring to the table is a need. <laughs> we need you at the table. People always say this, everything we need in the church is here. Everything, we, And that's true. Everything we need is here if we're all participating as one body of Christ. 
If you need a car, we can send you somewhere to get a car. If you need a house, we can send you somewhere to get a house. If you need insurance, we can send you somebody to get some insurance. If you need whatever you need, we have somebody in the house that can fulfill and meet that need. But we all have to be available, and we all have to be leaders in our own capacity and be obedient as such so when the time is necessary and needed, you can be called upon. But that's leadership. See, we all have to be leaders in our own capacity, in our own walk with God. See, if we are duplicating, multiplying leaders, then we can go out and get more followers. Those to go into the kingdom. Our goal is to expand the kingdom of God. Which means to, to save more souls, to bring more people into the kingdom, to understand who God is, to humble themselves before the Lord and say, God, I've fallen short, I've sinned, but thank you for Jesus for coming and dying and being resurrected. I believe, therefore you are saved. That's what we strive to do. But let us not grow weary in doing good. For the proper time we will reap a harvest. Therefore, don't give up. Life's journey requires you to be a great follower, to be a good leader. So we, as believers, we follow the lessons of our Lord and Savior Jesus to reflect upon those things so that we can become leaders like Him. But it's required of us to not go weary and being a good neighbor, being a good brother, being a good saint, being a good believer. It requires us to go beyond our comfort quite often. To show that we love God so much we're willing to lead in the midst of trouble. We're willing to be the point to go out first. We're willing to say, God, here I am, use me. We're looking for those type of leaders today. And we're believing that collectively together we can strengthen one another so we can become the leaders God has called us to be. The leaders that God has called us to be in our church, in our family, in our community, in our workplace, in our business. God needs us to lead for Him. <laughs> Now I'm saying he needs us, but he needs us to lead. That's our responsibility. He wants us to lead. Will you answer the call? Do not give up. Stay on the grind. God is your refuge and your help in the time of trouble. He has never left us. He will always be there with us. He sent his son Jesus into the earth who took on flesh, but he was obedient unto death. And because of his obedience, he was given a crown of glory. Get your crown of glory. Stand to your feet. I know today, so full of people here, the men are here today. And I'm excited about the men of God who are here today. 
This is their Sunday. It's been Sunday, and so that's an amazing day to be here. Thank you, fellas, all the fellas in the house today of God. There may be somebody here today who says, I've been a follower, but now I need to be a leader. There may be somebody here today that says, I need to turn things around for my family, for my relationship, for my children, for my spouse, for my boyfriend, my girlfriend, for my, for my cousins, I mean, for, in my workplace. I need to be a better leader. I need to be a better leader because I, now you understand that you're God's tool, you're God's mercenary, you're God's ambassador, you're God's leader who he called out of darkness and brought into his glorious light. And he needs you to step up. Now I say he needs you because he asked of us to do these things. When God asks of us to serve, we are to serve. But let me tell you something else. If you don't accept that responsibility that he's given to you, your assignment, he will find somebody else to do it. So not much he needs you to do it, he wants you to do it. He needs you to be obedient, but he don't really need you. He just wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. So walk in that.